So I've got Srinivas Rao with me here this week on the Productivity is Podcast. Srini, thanks for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure, Mike. Always happy to uh, chat with you. See, now we've never actually been able to record a conversation with us before that's been published because of, uh, you know, just Skype issues and, and all that stuff. But we had a chance to chat uh, recently at the podcast movement in Dallas, Texas, and that was awesome. We kind of got to hang out and uh, really not within any session. <laughs> we, were, we were chatting at dinner and at the bar and stuff like that. So it was really cool to actually get a chance to just uh, um, chat outside of the, you know, outside of the element. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah. uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit today about um, just, we were, we were chatting a little bit before about, um, you know, the idea of, of reaching like really lofty goals and just taking things to the next level. And one of the things that I, that I was uh, saying is that I was watching Monday Night Football with a friend of mine, a screenwriter friend who oddly enough, connected with me through my podcast years ago, and we've just been hanging out ever since. And we went and watched Monday Night Football, and I, the Jets were playing the Bears. Now, I'm not a fan of either team, but every time I see the Jets play, I think of Gary Vaynerchuk and his goal to, like, own the Jets. That's his, like, that's, it's in, everything he does has a little bit to do with, you know, that, that goal at, at the end game is, like, I want to own the Jets. And I'm seeing what you're doing with, with your work, with the, you know, with the unmistakable creative and the instigator experience and all that stuff. And, and, and then the book, which got Glenn Beck's attention. And, and I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, like, what is the, like, that big goal? Did you have that big goal and is everything kind of working towards that? And if you do, like, how often have you, like, sort of evolved or, or adjusted that goal to meet you know, your next expectation or, or, or maybe the expect, probably more your expectation than the expectation of others. But you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think when you asked me, if you asked me last year, my big goal was instigator. It was like, this is it. Everything is about making this a reality, you know, this crazy idea on a piece of paper. And when it manifested, suddenly I was like, I did it. And you know, what's weird about that is I, what happened was there was this huge empty void, like a space in my life right mm. after it was done. And I didn't deal well, very well with it. It was, uh, it was actually tough, uh, because, you know, somebody told me the other day, it's like Olympic athletes, right? They train and train and train and they get their gold medal. And then suddenly you wake up in the morning and you don't really have this sense of purpose and mission anymore. And that's a really, really scary place to be because, <clears throat> You know, when something consumes your life like that and when something is such a deep and meaningful part of your life, having it end, uh, which it will uh, if you accomplish the goal, is really weird because we forget to that the process of accomplishing the goal in and of itself is this very beautiful, rewarding um, experience. And, and you know, as much as I, I jokingly called the instigator the wedding without the wife at the end of it, the process of putting it together was one of the funnest things ever. I miss that time so much. And, you know, I, I think it, it's interesting because the goal for me keeps evolving. Uh, it changes like and Sean Acor talks about this in his research as a, as a happiness researcher. He said, you know, when you achieve a certain level of success, your brain changes the goalpost for what success looks like. I mean, to do everything that we've done in this year, it was kind of like, I mean, those were all dreams last year. And yet mentally, I was in a much more you know, solid state of mind when we hadn't accomplished all these things. And now, like when I look at what's ahead, it's daunting, but exciting. And uh, I think about sort of big goals keep evolving. Mm -hmm. they, they absolutely do. I don't and they probably and they're probably versioning too, right? Like, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, totally. I, I wrote about this, like the idea of versioning, like the mm -hmm. evolving is the process along the way. But the versioning is like, okay, I'm going to make this turn now. I'm going to go this yeah. way instead of that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, the thing is, I always say, you know, every spot um, that you're standing on a room, the view changes. So you see things that you didn't see before, you know, like I couldn't have seen bringing on Gene Powell. Like I couldn't see that we were going to need to expand our team to to get to this next level of, of mission and purpose and message. And that to me is, is how these big goals work. I think that you take steps in the direction of them and those steps are little goals that ultimately lead you there. And of course, you know, as you take those steps, the goal evolves. You know, we five years ago, we were just a podcast and now we're building an online media company, uh, which, is, which is a whole different animal to approach it as. I mean, really, if you think about sort of going from plugging in a microphone into a laptop to a best-selling book, a you know, 60-person event, speaking on stage, I mean, nobody would have predicted or planned any of those things but we got there because i kept sort of i always sort of had the compass pointed north not knowing exactly what north would look like mm. if that makes any sense no totally it's it's funny um we were chatting just before we started recording about how i'm actually bringing on somebody uh to kind of help me through my own development of of productivity is because i'm looking at all the projects and I finally hit this point where I'm like, I can't do this by myself anymore. And it's not just going to be a virtual assistant that can help me, which I've used. And I continue to use virtual assistants. But I need somebody that is in the room. Or, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, masterminding is, is one thing. But you need somebody that – I need somebody that's going to give me a bit of a shake every once in a while to go either – here's how we do this or this isn't something we should do right now or this isn't something we should do at all remember yeah. what the larger goal is the larger vision because you can get caught up right yeah yeah totally and you know i mean i think you're right about meeting somebody in the room i mean one to gut check you one to keep you in check at moments uh but also there's something to be said for having a support system because if you look at any of these bigger, massive missions, uh, I mean, even, you, even Gary Vaynerchuk, right? There's mm -hmm. hundreds of people behind VaynerMedia that help enable the possibility of reaching that goal. And the other thing is it's not just a support system that to me is in place <clears throat> from, a, from a tactical perspective. But I think you need a support system even from an emotional perspective because what we've chosen to do is incredibly hard work. Uh, it, you know, it requires – an ability to deal with an insane amount of uncertainty, uh, an ability to conquer your own self-doubt, an ability to keep going in moments when it seems like it's all just falling apart. And sometimes the the support system or, or the other person in place makes that whole process so much easier mm. as opposed to trying to go it on your own. I mean, the failure rate for people who try to do everything on their own is pretty high. Uh, and the statistics, you know, really indicate that. And that's one of the big lessons that we learned this year was that we needed a team because what we saw, what happened post instigator was that I couldn't maintain the momentum on my own, uh, because I was just, I mean, I was burned. Oh from yeah. You, you crash hard. I mean, when I was doing the film festival here in Victoria, or when I was doing producing comedy shows, when a show was over, you were done. Like there was a buzz there. And that, that initial buzz at the end of the event can sustain you for a bit, but you need a break. You need to step back and, and just get kind of get, get out of the, get out of your own way for a little while, because you're not going to be much good to anybody, let alone yourself right after something like that. Yeah, well, there's also the buzz, but there's also the argument for having something to fill the void, right? Because mm. um, the buzz is going to wear off, like you said, and you need something to pour yourself into right away. And I didn't quite have that in place. Like, right. I didn't plan very well for what comes next. That was a big question. And honestly, I should have thought that through. And right. I didn't. 
Um, I want to talk about support coming from an unlikely uh, place. So, mm-hmm. for example, I mean, I'm my wife is great at supporting me. She can't. I mean, she has her strengths. She doesn't know how to. You know what I what I do for a living. She understands. But she can't like say, okay, well, here's how we should market this, or here's how, here's what you should do next. She's great at the back end stuff, you know, like the hey, here's the books, here's what, how much money we have, here's how much we don't. But uh, support from unlikely places. One of your most unlikely places was Glenn Beck. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> he found the book on Amazon, uh, which was crazy, and I fell in love with it. I mean, you know, I owe Glenn a huge debt of gratitude for everything he's done for me. I mean, he really, he catapulted my career to another level. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm very, very grateful for that. And he's actually done, I mean, the, the Glenn Beck that we saw years ago versus the Glenn Beck we're seeing now. I mean, Andrew WK, he had a great praise for him as well. And kind of, it, it's just, again, that versioning, right? That idea of mm-hmm. evolving and versioning and saying, hey, you know what, not just what am I going to get out of this, but what am I going to give out of this? And I think that it, when I see and, and follow your work and you're not, it's not, it's about giving of yourself as well as giving of the experience, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, one of the things I want to touch on before we wrap up is is now the how. Okay, so we've talked about you know a lot of the why and the what, but you know we've never really had a chance to uh, to look at. Okay, you've got these things, you've got these balls in the air, these plates spinning. How do you how do you spin them? How do you first off how do you decide which ones to spin? And then secondly, had what processes do you have in place? Like either let, let's talk tools. What tools or, or processes do you have in place to make sure that they they spin accordingly? Um, well, I think you know really what it comes down to is answering the fundamental question: What is the one? key metric that drives everything, right? We talked about that briefly before we hit record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for us, you know, we sat down and we said, okay, Srini, what's the, what's the key thing that leads to everything else? And that's more listeners. And so that has really become the filter question uh, by which I filter every request, every activity, everything I do. I'm like, okay, if I do this, is it going to lead to more listeners? Uh, and if it doesn't, I'm like, why am I doing it? And of course, you know, I think there's something to be said for creative projects that have no purpose that are just fun to do. And that's absolutely a great thing. In fact, I think it actually takes the pressure off of you a little bit and gives, you know, your work a bit more meaning. Uh, so that's that's really, I think, one is identifying the key metric. And I have absolutely fallen in love with this calendaring app called Timeful, mm. uh, which is great because it allows you to schedule your to-do list, which sounds, you know, like what's the big deal. But what it's interesting is it starts to memorize your patterns based on what you're scheduling. And then it starts to make suggestions for the next day and the next day and the next day. And I'll, I'll give you an example. One thing that I've never been able to do is develop a meditation habit. And, you know, I've realized lately that that was really important. It was pretty much core across the board to almost any really successful person that I'd interviewed. And so, I started scheduling it at eight o'clock in the morning and there's a lot of proof um, that when you schedule things on your calendar, things that you're supposed to do, you're way more likely to do them. And what's amazing is I'm using this app and I'm flying through a to-do list. You know, I get up at seven and I'm done by 10, 30 or 11 in the morning with all the most important things that I need to do. And that includes stuff that, you know, like reading. If I want to read, I, I schedule 30 minutes to read. I schedule time to write my thousand words. I schedule time to meditate. And I found that these habits are just starting to become part of my life because of scheduling. I mean, you know, given the people that listen to the show, I think that probably be one of the most useful things I could offer. Yeah, timeful. I've played with it quite a bit. I think that that it it plays a really useful role for when 
like you said, if I'm trying to make sure I knock things out, like I'm working on my workflow warrior course, or I'm trying to meditate or exercise, that's uh-huh. where that stuff needs to go in the calendar. Because at first blush, you put in your task manager, it just sits there amongst all the other lists, right? Everything else that's on the list. Then eventually, if it just blends in, whereas if you have as on your calendar, whatever is there, it's it's that commitment. Patrick Ron, Ron has talked about like it's a wish until it's on a calendar. And I think that's a great, great way. And, and Timeful, I love how it kind of gets to know your patterns and says, hey, here's where I think we should slot this thing, which I think is fantastic. So, I mean, again, the technology, if we let it, if we use the human approach towards the technology, say, hey, how can we leverage the technology to help us as opposed to, hey, let's let the technology guide us mm-hmm. uh, or, or rule us rather than guide us. That's when we run into problems. That's when we get stuck in this wheel of of doing productive instead of actually being productive. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, and I, I love Timeful because, you know, Dan Ariely is the founder and he's a behavioral scientist. So, like, there's there's got to be some fascinating, you know, thought process behind how it was put together. Absolutely. Well, well, let's let's wrap things up here. But I want to uh, give you a chance to tell everybody that's listening where people can find you and what's next on the horizon for uh, for Srini, Srini and, you know, everything that's going on with Unmistakable. Yeah. uh, Well, you can find me at unmistakablecreative.com. That's the podcast. You can subscribe in iTunes. Um, The other thing that I I, I would plug is Instigator Experience. You can learn more about it at theinstigatorexperience.com. Other than that, I mean, really, we're working to put all the puzzle pieces together to to really get this whole thing to the next level. Uh, You know, I I think that, as I said to you before we hit record, where I see things going is that Unmistakable will become uh, sort of a cross-cultural mainstream phenomenon at least that's my vision for it and and really one of those things that millions of people around the world are listening to see that there you go take that and your jets ownership gary (laughs) uh srini thanks so much for joining me this week on the productivityist podcast thanks for having me